Get ready, get ready. This is the Buffalo Down Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icor and Alex Jones. And we got a little water. And welcome to the Buffalo Down Draft House Podcast. Brad the Bruiser Icorn and Alex Jones with you as the Bills go ahead and put an end to a very lousy three-game skid uh, with a win over the Kansas City Chiefs, 16-10 in Arrowhead Stadium. They kick off the month of December taking on the New England Patriots. A 1 o'clock kickoff coming up at New Era Field uh, in the first of two matchups against the Patriots this week. And uh, it feels very, very good to see that Buffalo was able to end that skid. But they were just really, really bad. And before we get into the offense, I, I think it's fair to dissect the defense. What was the problem with the defense in these three-game skid between, you know, the Jets, the Chargers, and uh, who am I leaving out here? And the Saints. Um, I think it was just that the Bills ran into offenses that were able to sort of it was an in, it was a poor matchup. You know, the Bills have weaknesses and the teams we played offensive skill sets were really to exploit those. The spread run game we hear the pass game of Drew Brees, EJ Gaines not being in there really hurt because we couldn't run a dime. We couldn't run a quarter coverage. We could only run Basic base four three and nickel sparingly because Sharif's right was so bad in coverage and so bad in the run game that they had to cover him up. And then um, the Jets just killed us with that quick attack. And I think that, honestly, the one that looked like it just broke the back was Zay Jones' injury. Um, and then people, you know, people talk about the Chargers like they're the Browns. The Chargers have been a good team. And they've only the only reason they're three and five is because they couldn't find a field goal kicker at the beginning of the year. Yep, they uh, eventually they got Novak in there, but uh, yeah, they struggled mercilessly uh, through the start of the season, uh, losing their first couple of games by uh, at least a point. So, uh, Chargers, uh, that was an ugly game there. Uh, Keenan Allen was just picking apart the secondary. And I know a, a large portion on why they struggled uh, in some of those games, especially, i.e., the Chargers there, is uh, they were extremely limited with their secondary. E.J. Gaines has been a pivotal piece in that secondary this year, and he was not there in that matchup, and that killed him. It, it really did. You know, E.J. Gaines allows them to do so much more in coverage um, just because he just is a better cover corner. It's just factual that he is a better cover corner than um than Sharice Wright. And so it's one of those things where it allows you to switch up so much within your defense and do so many more things that you're able to do. Even if they continue to run base defense and things like that with um you know with gains in there, he just allows you not to have to shade a safety over. He allows you to have run defense. And Sharice Wright just isn't there. He's a special teams guy. Um, you know, he's really just a guy you bring in when there is an injury. But that's someplace that really needs to be addressed this offseason is corner and backup corner. Because if McDermott really wants to make this team a playoff contender, like he says, we need to have enough depth at cornerback where somebody can get hurt and the season isn't lost on defense. 
Going with corner, though, uh, one of the bright spots, we talked about EJ Gaines, but the rookie in Tredavious White, he's had a pretty good year. He helped seal the fate of the Kansas City Chiefs with his interception that nearly was a pick six. And uh, I think he's been one of the few bright spots on the secondary this year. Like you said, it really is just very thin at this point. Yeah, and to be honest, that, that was the big concern coming into the season, and I think that's the concern that we'll be talking about after the season, is that this team is so thin on secondary um, at every position. Now, Trey Elston has seen like a pretty good investment. Um, he, he played extremely well in the games that he had to come in for. I forget which game it was that he had to come in for, but he, he played very well in that game. Um, other than that, there was a few guys who um, really just had been, we, we need corners. That's really what we need. Char- uh, Johnson, I always forget his first name. For some reason, I want to call him Charles. It's um, Leonard Johnson is a, um, he's a true nickel corner. He's not big enough to play on the outside. He, he, he excels in the nickel. And beyond Sharice Wright, I, I literally can't name another corner. We had Greg Maven for a little while, and but he's not there. I, I legitimately don't know another corner we have. And off air, we were also talking about the play of the linebacking core and linebackers dropping the coverage, and that's been one of the problems we were talking about with Lorenzo, Lorenzo Alexander is uh, he's not a true coverage kind of linebacker. No, he's really a 3-4 outside rusher and run stopper. That's who he is. He's a bigger guy. Um, you know, he's not the most fleet of foot. He is still very athletic, and don't get me wrong, Lorenzo is way more athletic than I wish than I could ever be. However, um, he really isn't what you want in a 4-3 cover linebacker. You know, he is a prototypical run stopper. So if next year he wanted to do like a hybrid pass rush run stop, that would be a great position for him. But I just don't feel personally that in McDermott's system, he would be a good fit permanently as a cover linebacker. What about the rookie in Matt Milano? He's had a pretty good year in college, uh, but I'm surprised that he's not doing more in this lineup with how he's been performing this year. This is going to be that's that's something, Brad, that bugs me. Like I legitimately get angry over it. There's two things about this Bills team that make me legitimately angry. First off, how does Vlad Dukas have a roster spot? I tweet that out every single week on Sunday as soon as I hear the lineups. How, not only is he, how is he in the game, how does he have a roster spot? He constantly gets torched. He goes with a inside technique on defensive linemen that most defensive linemen are like, thank you, that lets me bull rush you. Um, it, it just lets him destroy Dukas. I legitimately don't know why John Miller. I think it's because Dukas is good friends with um, Juan Castilla. Um, I legit, that's and he's very comfortable with the zone run scheme versus John Miller, who's more of a man run blocker. Um, but I just I I don't understand it. Um, the other thing that makes me mad is um, how is Ramon Humber still starting over Matt Milan? Like legitimately, during there was no drop off if anything during uh, Humber's injury. He played better. He played legitimately better than Humber and improved the position against opposing teams, except for that first game against Atlanta. But, I mean, it's a rookie coming in. He didn't get a ton of work. He'd just been working special teams. You can't blame that on him. So, I, I legitimately, Brad, I don't understand it. Um, because, to me, that it's just bananas that 
this guy can come in, that this guy can just hold the starting spot, even though it's been a complete improvement on defense. Fortunately for the Bills, after that three-game skid, they came into Arrowhead, a place that many thought they weren't going to get a W, and they, you can say they stole one. I think they played really, really well. Defensively, they got it together. They only gave up one first down in the first half and a touchdown drive uh, for the Chiefs, who started out the second half. But other than that, it was all Bills in this game with a 16 win over the Kansas City Chiefs. But... The one thing that stood out for me, even though they got a win here, was the conservative play styling of this offense where it seemed like down the stretch of this game they were more opted to quote-unquote take a knee there the way they ran the football instead of trying to truly go ahead and put the, the game away. Did that bother you at all? It did, but that's been the predictability of this offense the entire year. This this offense is, I'm like I'll sit in the stadium or I'll sit at home and second down. We're going with a stretch here. All right, first down. It's going to either be an inside zone or a play-action fake. All right, third and 12. It's going to be – this offense is so predictable. It's not even boring at this point. It's just annoying because you're like, we're going to blow – we're going to blow up and screw up some, um, like, some, like, outside zone to Mike Tolbert or Joe Banyard or somebody who has no business running an outside zone. And then Shady's going to get bottled up because we're going to run off the right side and it's going to be atrocious. It's just one of those things where you just get so sick and tired of it that it's not even like a joke. It's just your, it's just annoying. And Dennison needs to really, in this offseason, think about his offense and change it up because it is the same thing over and over again. And originally I compared it to uh, Denzel Washington's line from Remember the Titans um, when he says, uh, they get asked why he has only six plays in his playbook and he's like give it time it works like novocaine but with an offensive line as weak as our right side of our offensive line has been this year um you can't use it over time it has you have to have something that's a little more successful which the man run schemes have been the man's run schemes have been very successful they've been our biggest runs when LaShawn McCoy breaks off runs nine times out of ten it's because it's a man run scheme but for some reason when it's crunch time, when we need yards, our offensive coordinator immediately goes, okay, we'll go back to the zone, inside zone run that every defense knows we're about to run. And they know exactly where it's going. They're going to blow it up the line of scrimmage. And it, it's just ridiculous that we keep running the exact same plays that people can easily figure out. And I understand that zone schemes are inherently multiple hold in that you can cut back, you can do this. But when defenses know how to defend it, they're going to defend it automatically. Oh, it's third, it's second down. Dennison loves to run stretch here. We're going to put a, a zone uh, zone blitz on the outside. It, it's, it's just mind-boggling. And I know we had a little bit of break here in the podcast, so I just want to address it and get out of the way here. What was your thoughts on the Nathan Peterman uh, project? Not necessarily the results. We know they were atrocious. He threw five picks. I wouldn't say they were all completely his fault. A couple of tip balls. Uh, but what did you think about McDermott making the change? And can you even fathom why? I, I legitimately can't. Um, I, when it happened, I was trying to be optimistic and be like, oh, maybe it's because of this. Maybe it's because of this. I, I didn't listen to John Murphy show that week because I didn't really want to hear the PR machine at work. Um, I, I, 
I was, it was going to be Peterman. There was re, there was only two options. Peterman was either going to go out there and throw for like three touchdowns, 350 yards, and the whole fan base would have freaked out, or he was going to do exactly what he did. And the smart money was him throwing, you know, a plethora of interceptions. Um, rookie quarterbacks making their first starts in non-week ones are majority atrocious. So, um, he looks more like Fitzpatrick. That's who he reminded me of. If he could mold into a Fitzpatrick and be our permanent backup, I'd be okay with that. Because Fitzpatrick can't will win you three games, he'll lose you three games, and he'll keep you in three games. So, really, all you need from a backup is him for, to win you the number of games he's out. One thing I did get out of this game is I think uh, it put true validity in the fact that Buffalo needs to draft a quarterback this year. Um, they need to look towards the future because I I think I, I like Tyrod Taylor. I've always been a supporter of him, but I don't think we're going to see any growth or any expansion beyond what he's done with this team so far. He can you know throw a pretty deep ball. He can use his legs quite a bit. But um, I don't think we're going to see, you know, someone who can just pick your offense apart. I think that long-term they need to invest in a quarterback in this upcoming NFL draft. Yeah, but this draft class is starting – people are starting to sour on it. For um, It looks like Darnell may not come out. It looks like Rosen may not come out. Um, so then you're going Baker Mayfield, which a lot of Bills fans are very high on. But to me, he just I, – I, I don't know. I always get concerned when a quarterback is a big rah-rah guy and – also, his size uh, concerns me. Scare me. Yeah. What? His size concerns me. Yeah. Um. And, and so I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't think there's a quarterback in this draft. Maybe Rosen. I, I really do like Rosen. Um. Or a guy like uh, Nick Fitzgerald out of NC State. Um. There's a few guys who I, I just don't see us using a high draft pick on somebody that would be honestly worth it. Um, I like Lamar Jackson. He may be one of the best playmakers in college football right now. Um, but if you don't want, ty- if people are tired of Tyrod, their Lamar Jackson's going to be more of the same. Uh, I honestly think we'd be stupid to get rid of Tyrod. Even even bringing in a rookie, let's say we draft a rookie quarterback in the first round, or we move, make a move up and get Darnell DeRozan if they're there. Um, I, I still think it would be stupid to try to. Um, get rid of Tyrod. I, I just think you've got to change the offense for him. Like, honestly, this offense last year was one of the most prolific offenses in football. Like, how do you not, honestly, how do you not have, how do you screw that up? But I guess that's sort of being a Bills fan is asking ourselves, which which unit is going to be good this year and which unit, because whichever one we say is going to be good or bad, oh, it always seems to be the opposite. Right now, the Bills are in the playoff push right now. I think a half a game behind Baltimore. Um, So, I mean, they have a legitimate shot. Even if they lose both games to New England, if they can beat Indianapolis and sweep the Dolphins and, you know, get some chips to fall their way, this team could very well be in the postseason. You know, it'd be great to end the drought and what have you. I wouldn't expect them to move beyond the wild card spot the way they're playing right now. But um, right now, I think this team actually can go ahead and win the drought because I heard um, the afternoon show on WGR going into the Jets game they said if they can just win you know one of these next four games there going into December they'd have a shot and I think they do at this point um, 
I'm not concerned right now with Miami or Indianapolis. You know, in, uh, New England's always going to be concerned. But right now, um, you know, who who would have thought that we'd be saying that this team is poised to make a playoff push uh, going into December? I know, honestly. It, it, it was the, the outlook for this team headed into the season was very grim. Um, like a USA Today said, 3-13. and 13. Um, So it, it honestly is one of those things where the team is just playing so much above expectation that this team could do so much better. Um, I, I think, and to be honest, how weak the AFC is this year, like you could easily see a team sneak in like the Bills, who people are like, oh my gosh, how are they in? And um, I, I think that's going to be, we're going to need a couple, we're going to need someone to miraculously beat Baltimore or for one of their rivals to try to ruin their season. They have Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, uh, Cleveland, and Detroit. Uh, Detroit. Yep. Um, Detroit's a tough team. They could easily pull out, Detroit could pull out a win. Yep. Um, I, don't, I don't have a root for the Lions. I root for them this weekend. Um, it, it's just such a weird year for the playoffs. It really is just a very odd year because the AFC stinks. It stinks. Um, if you look at Houston's got Tom Savage, they threw away that game on Monday night um, with DeAndre Hopkins basically being like, yeah, I'll just put the team on my back and catch balls that I don't like are humanly possible to catch. Yeah. Um, you got the Jets who can't decide if they want to tank or not. Um, let's see who else is in the playoff picture for the Bulls. Raiders who, you know. Uh, Raiders who. Or miss. Yeah, it literally is like week to week whether they're like, yeah, we're going to be the Raiders or no. We're Which gonna, team is going to show up? Either we're the 70s Raiders or we're going to be the 2010 Raiders. That's like right. the 2000 Raiders. The Tom like, Cable Raiders. It, it, it's just, it just doesn't, like, this playoff year just feels like a year that the Bills, like, sneak in. I mean, you got the Dolphins who are, we'll, we'll say iffy. Um, and then who else do you have in the AFC? I mean, the Colts, maybe. The Titans. Um, basically, we just need to be the, the like, 14th worst team. That's it. Like, we just don't need, we just don't need to be, we just need to be a little bit better than the worst teams. Well, this weekend, they'll take on the defending Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. We'll talk about that matchup coming up on the other side of a break. Tweet me at Bills Bruiser. Tweet Alex at St. Alex Jones. Also, follow us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Buffalo Down. Coming up, talking Patriots Bills. This is the Buffalo Down Draft House Podcast. Bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. Come on now, the Bills are making it happen now. Stand up now, come on and shout. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout it right now, baby. Come on, come on. Come on and shout. Yeah. Buffalo's happening now. Spirit, a lot of spirit, yeah. We got the spirit. Just watch it happen now. Hey, 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 hey,
words make me wanna Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Okay, guys, where else would you rather be? This is the Buffalo Down Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icor and Alex Jones. And we got a Welcome back to the Buffalo Down Draft House Podcast. Brad the Bruiser, right corner, and Alex Jones as the Bills get set to take on the defending Super Bowl champion New England Patriots coming up at New Era Field this Sunday, 1 o'clock kickoff. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people, the question I've heard thrown around all week long is, what chance do you give the Bills to beat the Patriots? And, you know, we were talking before, that, uh, you know, Bills fans are, you know, the hopeless optimists here. But I, I, I say I, I give this team a 0% chance. Every time I think we have a shot, Tom Brady just completely shreds this defense. And the way I saw, you know, Phillip Rivers and uh, Drew Brees and, you know, company just tear us up, that I really don't think this team is up for the task. Uh, fortunately, they are coming against a defense that ranks 31 overall. Um 22nd against the run and 30th against the pass. So uh, we'll see. Kelvin Benjamin still day-to-day. Um, they said he does have a tournament. Um, he's been limited in practice this week. We'll see if he plays. We'll see if they get more out of Jordan Matthews. Um, I would expect them to uh, be very, very tight on Charles Clay this week. But I, I think if Tyrod can somehow open up the pass game this week, that would be their best chance here, but they got to score points. That's the only way you, I think they can beat this New England team is if they outscore them. So, you know, anytime New England's going to touch down, the Bills have to have an answer at this point. Uh, yeah, I think that's, a, that's definitely the best shot. Um, you got to score more points than they do. It sounds like a yogiism. Um, but I, I really do think that, I, I don't know, I, I'm not putting much credence in it, um, but... Just a, a good quote I like from a pro wrestler is anybody with two fists has got a fighting shot. So, you know what? Uh, the thing is, this Bills team is poised. I feel like the Patriots always give up one bad loss in December. You know, one loss, and it's like, oh, well, the Patriots still have it. And then they're like, yeah, no, the next week they murder somebody. So I think the Bills could be the bad loss where they're like, Tom Brady throws a miraculous interception or two you know people there's a couple bad plays by wide receivers and people are questioning Belichick headed in the playoffs and then Belichick's like yeah no we're gonna we're actually gonna run this so I, I give the Bills a small percentage chance but still a chance and one thing I heard and I'm bringing up on the John Murphy show today is that for the Bills to have a chance in this game basically they really can't blitz anyone here because Tom Brady can pick it out pre-snap. He knows where it's coming here, and he'll quick sling it out to the hot receiver. Uh, really, it's going to take a big four-man rush in this game, and we've seen how they've been rotating their defensive tackles quite a bit over the course of the season there that uh, they're going to need a big push up front to be able to go ahead and beat this New England team. Well, that's the weird thing. So Brady is sort of an anomaly in the fact that he doesn't do well against pressure, but he does do well against pressure. So if you disguise pressure against him and you force him to make quick decisions with the ball, he at times is poor. But then again, at times he looks phenomenal. So it, it, I, I don't know. It's a tough one because it's sort of like a you can't 
you can't let them depict you. So let do what you want to do. If you want to blitz, blitz. Because in at New England on Monday night, the first year of Rex's era, the Bills got him off his spot. Yes. And he, he did not look good that night. And that's what I was going to pick up. That that 2015 Monday Night Football game, uh, it was November 23rd. Over yeah. by the ref. Yep. Yeah, that because was terrible. It was college rules. So I, I just think it's one of those things where you have to really, you have to really do what you want to do with Brady. The teams that have success just do what they want to do. Don't let Belichick dictate to you what you're gonna do. Yeah. I'll agree with that. Um, but the thing is, uh, <laughs> Belichick always somehow finds a way. The guy is a freaking mad scientist and how he gets it done. I'd be interested if he continues in the league after, you know, Tom Brady hangs it up, whenever that may be. Uh, he doesn't show any signs of slowing down or any signs of stopping at this point. But those two are such a match that Tom understands and is able to do everything I think that Belichick envisions and that's how they're able to go ahead and win five Super Bowls together that uh, you know the two are practically joined at the hip here um, but I, I you know I talked about it early on the weakest part of this Patriots team and it was exposed you know in the week one against Kansas City as this defense is not very good I, I don't think that Matt Patricia is a very good defensive coordinator. I think he's just part of the Belichick system. He's only known the Patriots. He started out, you know, uh, in the film room and has worked his way into the defensive coordinator. He's just part of the Belichick system. Belichick is, you know, the defensive genius that found out a way to stop the K-Gun when the Giants beat them by one point in the Super Bowl. Belichick is the outstanding defensive mind and knows how to run a well-organized uh, franchise here, but I, you know, I would never give any credit for Matt Patricia and this defense here. Obviously, the way their numbers are, they're not very good. And uh, and it's funny, just on appearance alone, Matt Patricia looks like an assistant coach. I, I don't see any head coach, you know, with a with a big beard and just kind of grungy on the sideline. Just just that alone here, that's what I see out of him. But um, you know. The best thing, and we, you know, it's, it's a yogiism here. The Bills need to basically score more points than the Patriots, and with this defense here, I think it's their their best opportunity to try to beat New England is take advantage any way they can uh, against this defense, and uh, whether that be um, using Lashawn McCoy if he can open against here. I like the way Cadet ran against uh, Kansas City last week. He was a late season pickup here that. Um, you know, I, I think striking on this defense is their best bet. I don't expect the Bills' defense to get it done against New England. I don't either. Um, to be honest, I, I think that the I think the defense, if they can come up with like a turnover or two, uh, that'll seriously change the momentum. If the Bills can come up with a quick turnover or two, uh, maybe Tredavious White takes one back to the house, we get to steal a few points. Um, I think then we'll be doing, I think that can really change the tide in our favor. Final thoughts going into the I game. I agree here. that Matt Patricia just looks like the most defensive coordinator person ever. That's like the a token fo- defensive coordinator. He really does. Like if you searched clip art for defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia's face would just pop up. But if you do a if you do like a defensive coordinator on Madden, just like a creative guy, it's just Matt Patricia's face. And also, how hilarious is it that he has like the fake pencil that doesn't do anything? He's yeah. got laminated paper. 
and a pencil in his ear. Like, why, why do you need that pencil? That That's insane. You don't you don't have any paper to write on. Everything's done on tablets now. Why do you have a pencil? Is it is it disguised? Is that eraser actually a stylus for all we know? That's all I can think of. Could be like a recording. Maybe it's like a little antenna that picks up the... Uh, there's a big conspiracy theory about how um, basically the Patriots manipulate the sound thing so that they can talk to Tom Brady pre-snap. Um, and that's why they're... Because Bose is also... I think it's based in New England. Hmm. Um, and so... There's like this whole. It, it's really interesting to see what people are willing to like research and like draw out of. But it, it's basically that like they've manipulated the headsets in such a way that they can then um, be able to talk to Tom Brady post snap, and that's why he's able to come up with so many um, post snap audibles is because he is getting like calls from the booth essentially. So if the Bills are able to pe- beat the Patriots this weekend. What is one reason why? Uh, turn they win the turnover margin. I think that's fair. Uh, I think special teams plays true in this one. I think probably two of the best kickers in the AFC at this point, Guskowski, has been good, but uh, Hauschka has been a beautiful addition here to the Buffalo Bills. After the struggles they hit with Dan Carpenter, Hauschka has been fantastic. Yeah. Also, Bills fans, if you want to listen to some hilarity, um, and you want to the Bills, the Bills have been pretty decently uh go follow pat mcafee on twitter he gives he breaks down special team stuff um and he has been talking of hauschka and schmidt for a while um and it's a really good follow highly recommend all right final thoughts going into this game we'll see if uh, i'm kind of getting tired of saying defending super bowl champion oh, my, it's kind of getting it's kind of getting boring at this point like let somebody else win a super bowl tom nfc might be poised this year we'll see if completely melt down with a 25 point lead in the fourth quarter like Atlanta did. Well, the thing about the the the, the crazy is um both Super Bowl losses that should have been they're because of running. Pay the Seahawks didn't run the ball and it was insane to this day. Mm-hmm. And then last year the it's like third and four. They're and in field the goal Falcons range. need 4 yards. Yeah. They have two prolific backs in uh Tevin Coleman and uh um, Freeman. They don't run the ball. They throw the ball, and that's the one that gets inter- uh, fumble recovery touchdown. Like, you just this. the thing is, it seems like people are just overthinking against the Patriots. Like, just run the ball. Like, they they haven't had a great run defense since Will Fork was in his prime. Like, just run the ball against him. It's not that hard. Uh, would you say that's also key in this game, is just for Buffalo to go ahead and establish a strong ground attack against the Patriots? I honestly think that the way to beat the Patriots is don't let them dictate. So many times teams try to get you know try to get fancy against the Patriots, like oh we won't do a, you know they're expecting to run, so we're going to do this, or they're expecting this, so we're going to do this. Don't do that. Literally, just play your game. The only way you can play the game is play your game, and I think that's one of the things that teams get hung up on so much of the time is just being like, okay, we're going to try to fake out the Patriots. It just never works. It always blows up in other teams' faces. And to be honest, it's one of those things that really, it it, it just ruins the game for other teams. Score prediction in this game? I'm going to say 20-17 Buffalo on a last-minute Hauschka field goal. 
That I, I would like that very much. So I'm going to say New England wins this one. I'm going to say 34-17. That's going to do it for this edition here of the Buffalo Down Draft House podcast. Make sure you read our work here at Buffalo Down. Follow us both on Twitter at Bills Bruiser at St. Alex Jones. Also like us on Facebook.com slash Buffalo Down. For Alex Jones, I'm Brad the Bruiser Icorn. Go Bills. This has been the BuffaloDown.com podcast, part of the Fan Sided Sports Network, an R Street Media production.